0: Welcome to the Word Encounter, episode 224. And we'll pick things up in the book of Acts, chapter 16. But before we get into it, I didn't quite finish chapter 15 yesterday. And uh, there's some important things near the bottom of that chapter. So let's go down to verse 36. And it says, Paul and Barnabas part company. Now remember, Paul and Barnabas had been traveling the land, evangelizing, preaching, teaching, educating, doing everything together. However, they had an issue. It says in verse 36, uh, now remember, this is after uh, the uh, discussions about uh, the, the, the need for circumcision for new believers. And it was argued that this wasn't necessary because all that was necessary was a belief in Christ. And anything above that was putting burdens on the people. And so verse 36 says, After some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go and visit the brothers and sisters in every town where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. So they had gone on this missionary trip, if you will, around the territory, around the region. And so Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and check to see how they're doing. Let's strengthen them if they need to be strengthened, you know, preach more, get get them more grounded in the word of God. So Barnabas, he was down for this. However... Barnabas wanted to take John, who was called Mark. And so John Mark, he is the author of the gospel of Mark, you know, the book of Mark. He's the author of Mark. Uh, But Paul insisted that they should not take along this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them uh, to do the work. And so John Mark had left before. And so uh, Barnabas wanted to take him, but Paul essentially was holding this against him. And so he says, no, 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 we shouldn't take this guy because he left us before. Now, we don't know why John Mark left. We don't know if he was ill. If We don't know if he wasn't feeling the trip. We don't know if he was afraid or scared. We don't know why he left. But whatever the reason, Paul wasn't down for taking him on this checkup trip. And uh, but Barnabas wanted to take him. And it says they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company and Barnabas took Mark uh, with them and sailed off uh, to Cyprus. So Barnabas went with went with Mark. He went on I guess he went on his own checkup trip. I'm not sure. But he left. And it says, but Paul chose Silas and departed after being commended by the brothers and sisters to the grace of the Lord. And so after Silas was commended by the brothers and sisters, uh, uh, you can say commissioned, if you will, laid hands on him. Then Paul took him and they went on their way. And so there was this schism. Right. And so it just goes to show you that there's not always you know agreement there's not always peace and harmony amongst believers that doesn't mean that they've necessarily broke fellowship that doesn't mean that they broke brotherhood or anything like that there was just a sharp disagreement and they went on their own separate ways in order to do the work of the Lord so this tells me that we don't always have to be in agreement with each other we don't always have to you know kumbaya with each other you know as long as we're still uh, committed to what it is that we're doing we 're still committed to the mission and the purpose of the lord we don 't necessarily have to uh, agree we don't necessarily have to even get along you know it doesn't say that they that they were talking about each other behind each other's back that they were trying to sabotage each other it doesn 't say anything like that. It just says that they had this disagreement and they decided to go their separate ways <clears throat> Now let's get into verse sixteen. It says Paul selects Timothy. Paul went to a derby in Lystra, where there where there was a disciple named Timothy, the son of a believing Jewish woman, but his father was a Greek. The brothers and sisters at Lystra and Iconium spoke highly of him. Paul wanted Timothy to go with them, so he took him and circumcised him, because the Jews who were in the in those places, uh, because of the Jews who were in those places, since they all knew that his father was Greek. Now, I find this interesting. They had just had this discussion, this debate with regard to the necessity of circumcision. And it was like, no, this is not necessary. But Paul took Timothy. Timothy, obviously, is a grown man and circumcises him. Oh, my God. You know, he circumcises him as an adult in order to essentially appease the Jews in the region. I I find that to be interesting. And so, uh, Paul later on, and we'll get to it later on, when he says he's essentially says that he's a chameleon, he'll do, he'll be whatever it is you need him to be in order that you listen to his message so that the message can be imparted into you. And so this seems to be kind of along that same philosophy. And so he doesn't want this to be an obstacle to the Jews listening to the message. And so since they know that Timothy is part Greek and he's probably not circumcised, uh, therefore Paul circumcises him so that he can remove that as an obstacle from, for them so that they will, in fact, listen to the message. It says evangelizing in Europe in verse six. They had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So the Holy Spirit is directing them. They're listening to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is saying, no, don't speak here. Yes, yeah, speak there. No, don't speak here. Yes, yeah, speak there. During the night, Paul had a vision in which Mas- a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him. Cross over to Macedonia and help us. After he had seen the vision, we immediately Uh, made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now remember us, Luke is, Luke is the author of Acts here. So he's, he's observing and observing and writing, recording what's going on. Let's see, let's drop down here to uh, verse 16. It says, Paul and Silas in prison. Once, as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune tellers, by fortune telling. So we can see that she had an employer, if you you will, and they sent her out so that she could fortune tell and get paid by it and pay them. As she followed Paul and us, she cried out, these men who are proclaiming to you a way of salvation are the servants of the most high. She did this for many days. So she wasn't saying anything that was inaccurate, but it annoyed Paul. He said Paul was annoyed greatly. Turning to the spirit, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. So the spirit of fortune telling her ability to tell the future came out of her. Now she could no longer do it. In verse 19, when her owners realized that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace um, to the authorities bringing them before the chief magistrates they said these men are seriously disturbing our city <laughs> notice these men are seriously disturbing our city no these men are seriously affecting our prophets. that's what they were concerned with but anyway when they presented it to the magistrates these men are seriously disturbing our st- a city they are jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for us as romans to adopt or practice the crowd join in and att- the crowd joining Wait, wait a minute. The crowd joined in the attack against them and the chief magistrate stripped the, uh, stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put uh, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet with uh, with stocks. So apparently there were there were more secure parts of the prison. And so they they went into the most secure part of the prison and they put stocks on their feet. So stocks are like wooden blocks. And so you put your feet and sometimes they put your neck and hands on them and they close it up. And so you've got this wood plank around your ankles and you can't really do anything. It says a midnight deliverance in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. So the prisoners were being serenaded by the word of the Lord via song. Verse 26. Suddenly there was a, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword. When I first was reading this, you know, I was like, okay, he drew his sword. He's going to kill anybody that's trying to escape. no, when the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. And so, you know, if, if, if prisoners had escaped and you were assigned to guard them and they escaped, then it was on you. So you had to pay with your life. And so this is what he thought that was going to happen to him. So he was going to kill himself. However, Paul ca- called out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself because we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And so obviously the jailer had heard the violent shaking, and earthquake, and, 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 and whatnot, and the chains coming off, and he was afraid that they were going to escape, but they didn't escape. And so he, he ran into, he got a light, I guess a torch or something, and ran into the cell of Paul, Paul and Silas and saw that they were there, the, the chains were probably off, the stocks were off. And so he realized that this was something supernatural. So what was his response? He fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Because obviously he's assuming, assuming correctly that this is some God stuff going on and I don't know what's happening. And so he fell you know, prostrate and, and, uh, and trembling. He escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So obviously he's associating with all of this that has happened with God. And so his question is, you are obviously representatives of God. What must I do to be saved? They said before, uh, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to them along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. away uh, Right away, he and his family were baptized. And so the jailer took care of them because, remember, they had been flogged. They had been beaten. And so he washed their wounds. And then immediately, and this is happening sometime at night, everybody, I guess they had a body of water somewhere, everybody in the household was baptized. There wasn't no appointment, we're going to get baptized on this day. or No, 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 no. Immediately, everybody was baptized. He brought them into his house. This is the jailer. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them and rejoiced because he had uh, come to believe in God with his entire household. An official apology in verse 35. When daylight came, the chief magistrates uh, sent the police to say, release those men. The jailer reported uh, the jailer reported these words to Paul. The magistrates have sent orders for you to be released. So come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them and let me back up. And so apparently after they were baptized, Paul and Silas went back to jail, you know, so that the jailer wouldn't get in trouble because the magistrate sent the police and said, release those men. And it indicates that they were, in fact, still in jail. So they must have gone back. Uh, And so they said, "Okay, release the men. But Paul said to them, they beat us in public without a trial, although we are Roman citizens. See, they didn't know they were Roman citizens. and Roman citizens had some had certain rights, you see, and they violated those rights by beating them without a trial. It says, um, although we are Roman citizens and they threw us in jail and now they are going to send us away secretly. Certainly not. On the contrary, let them come themselves and escort us out. They beat us in public unlawfully. Let them come and lead us out publicly, not, you know, in private, not, you know, hiding what they did. The police reported these words to the magistrates. They were afraid when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to appease them and escorting them from the prison, prison they urged them to leave town. And so they did, in fact, come and publicly escort them out, but they urged them to please leave. (laughs) Let's go to chapter 17, and it says uh, a short ministry in Thessalonica. It says, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. Verse 4, some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, including a large number of God-fearing Greeks, as well as a number of leading women. And so they went to Thessalonica, as was their case, wherever they went, they preached the gospel and people were saved. It says, ride in the city. In verse 5, <clears throat> but the Jews became jealous. See, They weren't motivated by some doctrinal disagreement. Like, no, we don't believe in Jesus. You're preaching this thing. So you could see how people could get into a theological argument and whatnot. But that wasn't their issue. Their issue was jealousy. It says, but the Jews became jealous, and they brought together some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. And so because they were were preaching, being heard, people were being saved— then this uh, the Jews became jealous and this riot was created and just chaos then it says um as soon as it was night the brothers and sisters sent Paul and Silas away to Berea because because of this stuff that was going on um, with re- with regard to the reaction that they're preaching and you know wherever they went they seemed to divide people and and riots and chaos followed um they sent uh, Paul and Silas away to Berea, another territory. And the section title here is the, Bur- the Berean Search the Scriptures. It says, upon arrival, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. The people were, now, this is interesting. The people here were more noble. Uh, the people here were of more noble character than those in Th- uh, Thessalonica. So the people in, in Berea had greater character than those in Thessalonica. It says, since they received the word with eagerness, and here's the key, and examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. The Bereans took it upon themselves not to just take in whatever somebody was saying. They took in what somebody was saying, and then they examined it to make sure that it was accurate, to examine it, to make sure that it was true. I love this scripture because... This ba- this speaks directly to me. This is a, a large part of why I feel I'm doing this word encounter with regard to uh, people uh, taking the onus upon themselves to search the scriptures, to make sure that whatever they're here, whatever that's been preached to them, whatever they see on TV, hear on the radio, on the Internet, watch on YouTube, whatever, whatever they do, the onus is on them to search the scriptures, to make sure that what you heard is in fact accurate. See, you can't just be gullible and just, and just swallow anything you've heard. You've got to respond, uh, uh, with a degree of you have to be like a sherlock holmes you have to make sure that you do your your sleuthing your, your investigation of the scripture to make sure that it is in fact accurate that thing that you have just been exposed to why so that you don't get led in wrong directions so you don't take anything i say you know you should be studying this thing making sure that it's accurate In verse 12, it says, consequently, many of them believed. So after they did this investigation of what Paul was telling them, consequently, many believed it was in accordance with Scripture, including a number of prominent Greek women as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica found out that the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul at Berea, they came there too, agitating and upsetting the crowd. So then they went outside of that territory when they heard about what Paul was doing and they wanted to go to a different territory in order to cause trouble because they didn't want this thing being spread. The brothers and sisters immediately sent Paul away to go to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed there. Those who escorted, um, Paul, yeah, Simon and Timothy stayed, but those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens. And after receiving instructions for Silas and Timothy uh, to come to him as quickly um, as possible, they departed. So Silas and Timothy stayed back. Paul went on to Athens, but they would join him later. Paul in Athens in verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed when he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with those who worship God, as well as in the marketplace every day. Uh, with those who happen to be there so so paul gets to athens and he's walking around and he's just he's noticing all of the idol worship and and, and he's disturbed by it and so uh so he goes into the synagogue and starts reasoning with the jews and basically i, I think just uh, preaching and explaining to them how this is wrong how this isn't right how this is not representative of god <clears throat> and then it says in verse 18 it says some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophies also uh, uh, philosophers also debated with him. Now, the Epicurean uh, philosophy is one that um, life is about the pursuit of pleasure and the absence of physical pain. That's the whole thing. That's what life is about, as far as the Epicurean philosophy. It's about the pursuit of uh, pleasure, and many, without knowing it, ascribe to this philosophy. Pleasure, avoid pain, seek pleasure, avoid pain. Stoicism, life is about not allowing oneself to be controlled by pleasure, by the desire for pleasure, or by the fear of pain. And it's about pursuing virtue. And so that sounds, that sounds more noble. But neither one of them is representative of what life is like or the purpose or the goal of life from God's perspective. But you had many philosophers of those particular um, philosophies, and so they were debating Paul. Some said, What is this ignorant show off trying to say? Others replied, He seems to be a preacher of foreign deities because he is telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. They took him and brought him to uh, Arogapus and said, we, uh, may we learn about this new teaching you are presenting, uh, okay, let me back up. So they took him and brought him to the Erogapus. This isn't a person, this is a place. Okay, so I guess it's some kind of hill that they go and think and discuss things and whatnot. And it says, may we learn about this new teaching you are presenting, because what you, are, what you say sounds strange to us, and we want to know what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and foreigners residing there spent their time on nothing else but telling or hearing something new. And so these people were um, consumed with basically discussing and debating philosophies. That's what they did all the time. That's all they did was discuss and debate philosophies of life. (laughs) The Arogapus address, uh, address, excuse me. So Paul is going to speak. It says Paul stood in the middle of the Arogapus. Um, and said, "People of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious in every respect. For as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on the uh, I even found an altar on which was inscribed to an unknown god. Now this is interesting here. Paul is preaching the gospel to Jews and to Gentiles everywhere he goes. We see here that Paul is taking a different track he's using a different process here he's speaking to the gentiles here when he would preach to the jews he would start with scripture he would go back you know to uh, to genesis he at least he would go back to to abraham and then he would bring the jews up current with regard to everything that was going on so he would place the gospel um, in perspective of the uh, old testament scripture but with gentiles they didn't know the old testament scripture so he's starting here uh, with general concerns of theirs So he's not starting with the Old Testament scripture. He's just now going to introduce the gospel from general concerns. And so he says, for as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found on the altar on which was inscribed to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, I I proclaim to you with truth. In other words, you are worshiping this unknown God and you have no idea. But I'm going to proclaim this unknown God to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by hands, neither is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything since he himself, since he himself gives everyone life and breath in all things. In other words, Paul is saying, look, you're worshiping thing, things made by human hands, but the God of the universe made everything. He doesn't need things made by human hands in order to be worshiped. It says, for one man, he uh, from one man he has made everything national. Uh, from one man he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth. From one man, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth. From that one man, Adam, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth. We are all related. And he has determined their appointed times and boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. So the reason these things are is so that we might seek God. See, he placed within us a natural curiosity in order that we might seek where we come from, why we're here, what's our purpose, so that each of us might seek God. For in Him we live, move, and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said. For we are also His offspring. Since then we are God's offspring. since then we are God's offspring. We shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by human art and imagination. Since we are God's offspring, we shouldn't be looking towards human-made things, things made by human hands of gold, silver, or stone, in order to create something to worship that created us. Paul is essentially saying that doesn't make any sense. It's coming by people's hands and out of their imaginations. Verse 30, Therefore, Having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent. So he says, therefore, the time of ignorance has passed. Now God commands everybody to repent. He he, he commands everybody recognize their wicked ways, recognize that they're in need of a Savior, and then respond accordingly. Repent. Because he has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness uh, by the man he has appointed. So he's saying uh, God now commands all people everywhere to repent because he has set a day that he's going to judge the world. See? It says he provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. So again, Paul is, is, is a lawyer in this case, and he's presenting the case to the jury. He's presenting the case of Jesus to the jury. And uh, he's saying Jesus is the proof that God means what he says. And Jesus is the proof that uh, if one repents, then one has access to eternal life. In verse 32, he says, When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some began to ridicule him, but others said, We'd like to hear from you again. Excuse me. We'd like to hear from you again about this. So Paul left their presence. However, some people joined him and believed. So as was typically the case, when Paul would preach the gospel, some would listen, some would agree, and some would uh, uh, join him in, in, in the belief. Others would, nah, not, nah, uh-uh, nope, and they wouldn't believe and wouldn't join him in the belief. And that is exactly the same as it is today. When people accurately hear the word of God being preached, and that's the thing, And so a lot of times we don't preach the word of God accurately because we don't know it enough in order to accurately testify for Jesus. We're going to get into that tomorrow. Anyway, uh, with that, we are finished uh, for today. We will pick it up in Acts chapter 18 tomorrow. Um, Everybody stay safe. Be blessed. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus because he is making a consistent offer to each one of us. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is in fact Lord, the word says that you will not be put to shame and that you will be saved. Anybody who accurately understands what this gospel is saying, in my opinion, would be not very smart to not accept the offer that's being made. The problem is a lot of people don't accurately know what the proposition is that Jesus is making. And that's our fault, and that's our job to clarify that. Everybody, stay safe, be blessed, take care, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And should God be willing, uh, we will be here tomorrow with the next episode of The Word Encounter. Bye-bye.